That concluded Genesis chapter 2, God's creation story. Chapter 3 begins with these words, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals. And guess what began to enter? Doubt, deception, distrust. And our fallen world happened just a few moments later. But God's story didn't end there, amen? God's redemption story actually began in Genesis chapter 3. And so we look. We look to Jesus today and every day that he gives us to see how we might become renewed, refreshed, forgiven, restored from the curse that entered into the garden. You know, as I mow my lawn every couple weeks, it's, it's a production for me. I have a system, and I, I do have a gas-powered lawnmower, but I don't have the edger and the um, weed whacker and the blower. That's all electrical. So I have to set up this rather unique extension cord contraption because we don't have any plugs in the front of the house. So I run it the whole way from the back backyard. And it takes me a while to get everything set up after I mow the lawn to do all this. And a couple of times I have found myself, after putting this all together, getting all these three other pieces of equipment out there, I hook up the first thing to start to do the, the edging, and oh, guess what I forgot to do? Plug it in the cord. Thank you. I don't know how many times I've done that. Now, you might say, oh, first world problems, right? That I have to walk the whole way to the backyard and plug it in in the garage so that I can get the work done. But it made me think, a lot of times in our journey of faith and life, we have quite an elaborate process that we go through or think we have to work harder or come up with new ideas or new contraptions or new ways to have God love us or other people realize we're following Jesus. And sometimes we just forget to what? get plugged into the source of all love, all hope, and all forgiveness. We try to do it on our own, and nothing's going to happen. We're not good enough. Only Jesus is. And so, friends, the resurrection accounts of Jesus and the Gospels at which we have been looking at over these past few weeks hold the key to the hope we all need to face the desperation and the challenges of daily life. The resurrection does not promise that all the circumstances of our lives will go smoothly, but the resurrection does give us hope that we can be turned into the kind of people who can handle whatever comes our way with God's help and promise of presence. And so we turn this week from looking at the gospel stories to Ephesians chapter 2, a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And as we'll see, and just as we engage these 10 verses from Ephesians chapter 2, 
Paul paints a vivid, a very vivid contrast between what humankind is by nature, by our default, because of original sin, and yet what it can become by God's grace, by God's resurrecting power that we can plug into through faith. And so let's engage Paul's letter in chapter 2. He begins in verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us have lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Do you see? Do you hear that picture? Things look pretty hopeless, right? This isn't a good story, so we think. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us, in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's kindness from where we were to where we are if we're followers of Jesus, if we're living in the resurrection power, if we're third-day people, if we're third-day people trusting in Jesus. I mean, friends, we were, were dead, spiritually dead, and the dead do not rise, but God. Say that with me, but God. Say it one more time, but God. We were beyond hope, but God made us alive with Jesus Christ. We were objects of God's wrath even, but God. But God, out of the great love with which he loved us, had mercy on us. And friends, this is the good news. This is the resurrection hope. This is what we need to transfer the trust of our lives by faith and follow. Is it scary to take that step? Absolutely. 
But God promises to never leave us nor forsake us. Sometimes we just try to, to work harder, to, to put together all sorts of shapes and designs and sizes and contraptions, just like Janae and Dee were, were building, right? We try to piece it all together just right. And we try harder and we get stressed out and we realize that it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. Amen? It's all about Jesus. Friends, church attendance doesn't save us. Church membership doesn't save us. All the opportunities to serve and, and celebrate and care for one another as good as they are, they in and of themselves do not save us. It's that decision when we are nudged, when we are prompted by the Holy Spirit, when, when the Father draws us unto himself through his Son, that our heart is transformed and changed forever. Paul lets us know as he writes to this small group of saints in Ephesus, this small group in this huge city, cultural, dynamic, pagan city, that they once were separated from God's love, but God has reached down. The distance, friends, between our hearts and Jesus' heart can seem immense. I mean, which one of us could measure up? Which one of us could possibly measure up to Jesus' standards? How could we ever hope to have the heart of Jesus? And Max Lucado says, Pastor Max says, ready for a surprise? You already have that heart if you are in Christ. If you have transferred the trust of your life to him, you already have the heart of Jesus. And one of the supreme yet unrealized promises of God is simply this. If you have given your life to Jesus, Jesus has given himself to you as well, and none of us deserve that. And yet there it is, because God loves us. Have you made that transfer of trust? Have you made that step of faith, trusting in God's saving promises and not your own works or your own faithfulness or your own resume have you been spiritually resurrected with Jesus? Paul gives us a picture of that. There's a spiritual resurrection going on here. When we believe that Jesus died and rose for our salvation, we are, in one sense, spiritually already living in heaven while still here on earth, living in the future while still being present. It's the miracle and the mystery of being called to be in the family of Jesus, to be part of third-day people. We've been transformed from death until life. It's only possible because of God extending his love and a desire to have a relationship with us through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. How many of you grew up or, or have engaged from time to time the Apostles' Creed? Do some of you know what I'm talking about? One of the, the great 
um, early affirmations, the Apostles' Creed, and part of the Apostles' Creed says, on the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father. Friends, we have been raised with Christ as well. Spiritually speaking, Paul is affirming that God not only quickened and raised and seated Christ, but we're there with him. Is that a gift or what? And oftentimes we, we act as if we have to make lists and make contraptions and do certain things, try harder, work harder, pray harder, come to church more often, or watch online more often, right? And God will love us. A little boy came to his mother in the kitchen one evening while she was fixing supper, and he handed her a piece of paper that he had been writing on, very proud of the list that he had made for her. And on that list was this. And this might have been a few years ago. I didn't adjust for inflation, okay? (laughs) For cutting the grass, $5. For cleaning up my room this week, $1. For going to the store for you, 50 cents. Babysitting my kid brother while you went shopping, 25 cents. Taking out the garbage, a dollar. For getting a good report card, $5. For cleaning up and raking the yard, $2. And he totaled it and said, you owe me $14.75. Well, his mother looked at him standing there, and the boy could see that the memories were flashing through her mind and on her heart. And so she picked up the pen, turned over the paper he had written on, and this is what she wrote. For the nine months I carried you while you grew inside me, no charge. For all the nights that I've sat up with you, doctored and prayed for you, no charge. For all the trying times and all the tears that you've caused me through the years, no charge. For all the nights that were filled with dread and for the worries I knew were ahead, no charge. For the toys, food, clothes, and even wiping your nose, no charge. When you add it up, son, she wrote, The cost of my love is what? No charge. God's grace, friends, the unmerited grace of us receiving what we do not deserve is what? No charge. We come to God with lists sometimes, don't we? Look at all I've done, or this is what you need to do for me now that I'm seeking to follow you. Well, that little boy finished reading what his mother had written. There were big tears in his eyes, and he looked straight up to his mother and said, Mom, I sure do love you. And then he took the pen in great big letters he wrote across the front, paid in full. (laughs) Paid in full. God's mercy. Jesus taking upon himself the punishment that we so rightly deserved. He paid in full for our sins. And Paul is telling us here, that's such a great, great love. So here's the takeaway from God's word this morning, friends. We need to believe and accept the incredible gift of Jesus's saving love for our lives. We need to do that, prompted by the Holy Spirit. We need to come and say, I'm a sinner, God. Forgive me. 
I believe that you have paid in full for my sins. For from the beginning of creation time, our human nature alienates us from God, period. A relationship of God on our terms, our merits, our resume, our good name is futile. There's no hope without Jesus. There's absolutely no hope without Jesus. I think Paul begins to tell us that. He paints a picture of what sin looks like and where this small group of followers of Jesus, probably still scratching their head and their hearts are still churning, where they were. He says, we were with that group. But God, say that with me, but God did an amazing thing and brought us into life. Friends, we are not well. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are spiritually dead so far as a relationship with God is concerned. That's our starting point. We are spiritually dead. Really dead, period. Okay? You with me? We're, we're not wounded. We're not sick. We're not even in the ER or ICU. Humanity is not well in the worst sense of the word. We're spiritually dead. Spiritual corpses. Zombies, for those of you that are into that. The walking dead, the original walking dead. That's you and me. And if that's not bad enough, Paul says God's wrath is building and intensifying in opposition to sin because God's wrath is consistent, it's controlled, and it's judicial. God's holiness can't bear the sin. But then God out of his love, but God. You know, Martin... Lloyd-Jones said these two words, but God, in and of themselves, in a sense, contained the whole of the gospel. Think about that. But God. Say it with me one more time, I promise. But God. It's the whole of the gospel. Taking us from death unto life. Our relationship with God can be restored, reconciled, reconnected through faith as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. This is good news. This is great news that third-day people say amen to. Do I hear an amen? amen? This is good news. This is the relationship that most is at the heart of the Father, that we become children of God, that we respond to God's mercy and grace, his love that reaches down and grabs us from the depths of sin and raises us up and seats us with Christ in the heavenly realms. We don't deserve that. That's the relationship that matters most. And we give thanks for moms for mothers, for dads, and all the human relationships that God began when he brought Adam and Eve together, when he created Eve out of 
Adam. You know, if you, you read some of the Hebrew details, they'll say, well, the word for man and, and woman there in, in Genesis chapter 2 are so similar. You might miss it, man and woman. But I think Adam added emphasis when he saw Eve. He probably said, whoa, man! That isn't found in, in any... <laughs> but God began human relationships, even though the, that human relationship was soon to enter into sin in which we all have inherited. And so we give thanks for moms today. We give thanks for the, the women and the men that have mentored and, and discipled us. I'm, I'm keenly aware of some some of the, the hard stuff, even if you're followers of Jesus, that days like this might, might bring about. For one mom wrote, Mother's Day is hard for many women, myself included, this year. Several of my friends long for marriage and children. Several are infertile or have lost new lives to miscarriage or stillbirth. One friend hardly speaks to her estranged mother, and several have mothers who have died. Another struggles with how her marital problems challenge her parenting. As for me, my triplet sons died this last September. Each was lovingly like every mother's son, but their lives and my mothering were cut short. Like my friends, I face Mother's Day with some ambivalence this year, glad for all the good mothering in the world, but sad for my losses. So friends, I encourage us as third-day people as, as people that have been, been rescued from our spiritual deadness, let's be gentle with each other today and every day that God gives us. Absolutely, let's celebrate, honor, remember the women who have happy families. Let's remember also the women, men, girls, and boys who have been hurt by their mothers. Let's remember the mothers who have lost their children and those who have lost their mothers. Let's remember the women who long to be wives and mothers but aren't. So this Mother's Day, let's take a few minutes reflecting on our own spiritual condition before you met Jesus, that spiritual deadness then let's praise him for the work of grace that he has done in your life. And praise and give thanks for the women and the men the Lord placed in your life's journey to guide and deepen your relationship with Jesus. For friends, this relationship with Jesus is what matters most. Amen? Dear Jesus, we love you and thank you for your saving love. And we thank you, but God rescued each of us from the depths of our sin. So I pray this morning that we could rejoice with those who are rejoicing in this truth and for those trying to figure this thing out, this spiritual journey, this Jesus person. I pray, Lord God, that you would be gracious and that you would reach down and touch hearts and lives and say, follow me, son, follow me, Daughter, may your enveloping love and grace and mercy and peace which surpasses all understanding surround us 
and minister to each of us in the very depths of our souls. This we pray in your name. Amen.